Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Caller number 10 at 800-636-1067. You're winning tickets to see the Caps and the Devils. February 20th, the Josh Harris Bowl. Games at Capital One Arena. Tickets are on sale now. For tickets and more event information, go to thefandc.com. We've got two more pairs of Steve Trevino tickets we are giving away between now and the end of the show. Your next chance to win those tickets comes your way right at 5 o'clock in one hour. So keep it here on the fan. The Beltway Blitz comes your way in just a moment. Wanted to remind you that our continuing coverage of the big game on the fan is presented by Solo Stove. Feel the heat of the world's most popular smokeless fire pit solostove.com i'm at radio row convention center at mandalay bay danny is in our half street studios i'll say this danny it's funny as the week has gone on i mean it more and more people descending upon this city it gets wilder and wilder like radio row hopping today Bump. but you could but you could tell at the same time that like people are just slowing down yeah like right the, the people energy. have been there more than a day and a half are like okay <laughs> yeah. the energy's a you little get that less Vegas look yeah People are moving slower. Like, I can just look at people and tell, you've been here two days. Well, you've the, been here four days. Yeah. I, the the last time I was in Vegas was when, the same time as Team USA was training uh, at a buddy's, my buddy's bachelor party at the Win. We were staying in the same place that Team USA was for basketball. And that Sunday night flying out of uh, whatever their airport's called, McCarran, like the bleary-eyed, exhausted, puffy-faced, you know, smell like alcohol and butter. Just, you know, it just that flight home to the East Coast is just miserable. That's how people look when they're in Vegas. It's like it's like dog years. It is time for our Beltway Blitz. We'll get to the Wiz and the NFL. Let's start on the ice. John Walton, voice of the Caps. You hear him here on 106.7 The Fan when the Capitals play. John, last night, one nothing lead, 2-1 to one lead. Things looked good early. And then it was the Florida Panthers pulling away late. A couple of unanswered goals in the third to win 4-2. to two. What went wrong as the game went on? They just stopped getting shots, Grant. I mean, that was the thing where they got 13 first-period shots, and Spencer Carberry said it after the game, really liked their start. They actually had a lead for more than 64 seconds, which they had in Dallas, and it was their only lead in the five previous games. So, it felt better, and then they just weren't able to generate the offensive opportunities. Florida got better. Florida's a good team. They looked like a team that was in the Stanley Cup title last year. They 
found a way to get themselves back into the game. And you know what? You can point to, hey, they, they did better. They got a great goaltending performance from Darcy Kemper. Alex Ovechkin's got goals in three in a row. We've seen some positive things, but it all adds up to this, guys. They've got to win hockey games. Mm-hmm. And they've got one point now in the last half dozen games, and they're going to lose touch if this doesn't change soon. The problem is what's coming up, of course, with here in Boston – Game against the Bruins tomorrow. Vancouver, the number one team in the league, coming to town on Sunday. So they got to pull points against really good hockey teams, and they got to find a way. Uh, there are no moral victories at this point, despite a lot of things that actually did go fairly well last night. Uh, they got to find a way point to get some points, and that's really the bottom line right now. Yeah, John, you touched on it. I thought Kemper was really good. Uh, 41 shots on goal from Florida. They didn't even tell the story. I think they had close to 90 shot attempts. It felt like the Caps didn't have the puck uh, after uh, that, that 2-1 lead that they kind of got established there. I don't know what the prescription is against a, a club that has as much firepower as Florida. Unfortunately, as you said, that's who's coming up on the schedule. It's a bunch of these really, really good teams. Any any difference there? Any any kind of tweak that you can make? Well, I think one thing they got to do, Danny, against Boston tomorrow is they've got to stay out of the box. I asked Spencer after the game mm-hmm. about did the penalties kind of derail things. They gave up five power plays in the first half of the game, the last of which late in the second period, they end up converting, they get a game tied, they get the lead in the third, they win. And, you know, he really liked the penalty kill, and he said that first, and then at the end, he's like, but that last one kind of was the straw that broke the camel's back, and it was. And you just can't have your penalty killers out that much. They did a great job. Uh, They gave up the goal on the fifth attempt, but you got to stay out of the box. And it's against a team like Boston, where Brad Marchand's going to try and suck them in and try and get in their grills, and you can't take penalties. I, I didn't like the Tom Wilson elbow last night. Uh, I think that was where the, the goal ended up being scored. I think that's where he's got to be a little more disciplined there. But, you know, the rest of it, you know, the penalty kill, that's fine. But if you don't stay out of the box, you're derailing the cycle of offense where they, get, they got up to a great start. But I really felt like they lost their way in part because they just weren't getting out there regularly enough because the special teams had to take over. John, couple of games since the All-Star break, and Alex Ovechkin, couple of goals now in those matchups. Is he turning up the heat a little bit here? You'd like to think so. And one of the things that, and we just got done with practice here in Boston, and it looks like T.J. Oshie is going to be back on that line tomorrow with Strom and Ovechkin. And, you know, Strom has had such a great year, and you don't want to say that, hey, you know, maybe there's more that he can give because he's got 19 goals. But he's a puck distributor. He'll tell you that first and foremost. And playing with number eight on the left side, I'd like to see Dylan continue to get goals. But hopefully he's able to dish that puck and get Alex a few more. We've seen some evidence of that here over the last couple of games. And now with goals in three straight. Sandine's got points in three straight. Another guy who wasn't producing at the offensive rate that maybe you were hoping. So, you know, like I said, I mean, there are some positive things here that you can see him starting to turn the corner maybe offensively. But a lot of times, you guys, it's a little too little too late, and you've got to be able to find a way to do it consistently for 60 minutes. Spencer said last night after the game, you know, they had a great start, but it's tough to sustain it. When you don't have the offensive weapons that a team like Florida has, you run a gun for a while, and then you ran out of gas a little bit. And you can't do that against Boston tomorrow, Vancouver, and, you know, that's where I think it's going to be. It, you, don't, you want to make sure they get points this weekend, but you can certainly see how it's going to be challenging. John, talking positives, Connor McMichael, one of the ice time leaders last night, especially among forwards, I just, you know, again, this is a great analysis by me, but I just like him. I like watching him play. Just It feels like he's more dangerous than maybe some of the point totals are. But a nice uh, snipe last night that Bobrovsky saved, uh, kind of a transition rush. I just like watching that guy. I feel like there's going to be a breakout here at some point where we'll look up and he's got points in 8 of 10 or, or something to that effect. 
Yeah, I, I certainly hope so. And just for the practice that finished up here in Boston, they're going to reunite the Protus, McMichael, Mantha line tomorrow. I think that's in large part, as Spencer just told me a little bit ago, that I think it's because Mantha's really going well right now and he's going to try and spark the other two. Protus and Mikey have struggled offensively of late. But they also, keep in mind, guys, they won the Calder Cup in June. They played until practically July last year. They had a short off season. They had to go hard. You're, you're adjusting to a full-time job in the NHL, and I think they hit the wall. But they're also coming off the break. So to your point, Danny, I think it's, yeah, I think that is something you certainly would hope for. And maybe with the change back to something that worked earlier in the year, we're going to see that tomorrow here in Boston. Uh, you know, maybe that's what sparks them. They got a rest. They got, you know, a good eight to ten days off. They're young. They got young legs. Uh, get out there and uh, get on that roll. I think once they start going, and if Mantha can kind of lead the way on that line tomorrow, that's a real good chance for some offense there. John, thank you, buddy. Good catching up. All right. Thanks, fellas. Have a great weekend. Let's talk some basketball. 9-41 and wins. Speaking of being in Boston, they are at the Celtics for a 7-30 tip against 39-12. and Boston, one of the premium teams in the East, and they move forward now without Daniel Gafford. Danny? Looking for, uh, we bring Dave Johnson on to answer that question. What does it look like now, Dave? Apologies there, I thought you were there. What's it look like now without Gafford? Well, listen, uh, uh, by the way, thanks for uh, cheering up my mood. Yeah, we all played Boston Celtics tonight without uh, Daniel Gafford and without Marvin Bagley. So that's a big challenge. But, you know, what the takeaway is, and it's something that Will Dawkins, I think I shared with you the other night, uh, the last time I was on, that that shared with season ticket holders, that they're not going to cheat or or skip the process. And, And during this process, look, we got emotionally tied to Daniel Gafford. And did he develop this season? Uh, yes, the answer is unequivocally yes. And, and player development is part of, of, of the Wizards' culture. Uh, but this was a significant move in that the Wizards did get a, a draft pick, first-round draft pick in 2024. Wonderful article by Abel Wallace in the Washington Post really explains how this, this fits into the, the plan. But significant, the Wizards were able to get that draft pick. But also significant what did not happen yesterday, just because – Let's face it, the Wizards are in a selling position. They respect and value Tyus Jones. And they did not just, believe me, there was interest from Tyus Jones. Uh, And he is a starting point guard in this NBA, not just with the Wizards, uh, but they were not just going to give him away. And keep in mind, they have what's called his bird rights, not to get overly technical, but that still gives him options in the summer, and he still may be a, a part of the Wizards. So, I think yesterday, uh, or the trade deadline day, was, was a, a great uh, window, if you will, for Wizards fans to, to be reinforced by this team does have a plan and is, is not going to make crazy moves, but will make a move that makes sense. And acquiring an asset like a first-round draft pick makes sense. Dave, I don't want to harp on one particular game, but just in principle, you talk about, it, you talk about a plan. I am all in favor of the young kids being out there, right? Obviously, they're not kids, but you know what I mean? They're pros. The the Koulibaly's. Denny Abdi only played 19 minutes the other night. Uh, that frustrates me a little bit, right? A guy whose averages are up across the board. As moves are being made, I want more responsibility placed on him because I want to figure out, is he going to be here when this team is good in, in, in a couple of seasons? Is he a building block, a trading block, or, or something kind of in between? So, again, it's one game where he, the minutes weren't there for him. But this is someone who'd been in double figures. I think it's, what, six or seven Previously, and is playing his best basketball of his career. That frustrated me a little bit. Your thoughts? 
Yeah, I, I mean, I think, but you preface the statement by saying it's a one game. I mean, there are going to be games like that for, for all players. And, and as you try to win or compete, you go with what's working. And he, and he did not, you know, get in the flow, if you will, or did not uh, have his, his best night. But if you look at the, the season in totality, look, he's in the starting lineup. Uh, he is given more uh, responsibility. The game where Kyle Kuzma uh, did not play, and oh, by the way, it was against the Phoenix Suns, but uh, you know, 24 points 24, uh, matching yeah. his season high. So uh, it, it is one game. And I, I think, that, look, you're going to see um, they're going to play different combinations out of stretch. We've already talked about this, and we've already seen this. This is not a guy that necessarily will, will pop off people's radar, but he's a, guy with, a young guy with NBA experience who plays hard. Eugene Omaruyi, who uh, that kind of the 15th slash go-go player on the roster, now is suddenly coming in uh, in in the second quarter. So, you know, it's going to be a, a, a gradual process of, of how they introduce players and, and change lineups. Uh, keep in mind, Brian Keith only had his, and this I think says a lot, only had his first practice since the the, the coaching change on Tuesday. So it, it, this has all happened uh, with. <laughs> You know, just games and travel and games and travel. Uh, in, in a lot of ways, that'll be good to get to the All-Star break. You'll have some, you know, practices before you get back after after the All-Star break. And then I, I think we'll, we'll determine more about where the season is going. But, uh, well, we know where the season is going, but that, where the development is, is going and, and what you might get more of a hint uh, of what the Wizards are thinking about in terms of uh, who, who they want to keep, you know, long-term. But I think there's been some great discoveries this season. Denny Abdi, one of them. Corey Kispert, uh, you know, continues uh, to impress and not with this three-point shooting. Um, and, and I, again, I think it's important the Wizards, they were not going to give away Tyus Jones because if you're going to develop a team and a culture, isn't it great to develop it with a guy who leads the NBA and, and assists the turnover ratio, who can provide that leadership? You just can't have uh, the development process and have all young kids and expect you know, that, that to, to bear fruit. There, there has to be a mixture, and there is right now the Wizards. Dave, thank you. We appreciate you, buddy. Guys, always appreciate the time. Thank you. Thanks, Dave. You got it. Let's talk NFL. What better day to do it? It is very bittersweet, though, Danny, mm-hmm. on a football Friday as we get ready for Super Bowl Sunday. This is it, bro. <clears throat> One last ride, man, and then the cold, dark, winter ahead so to speak of summer Uh, benjamin brown (laughs) to help us break the game down so benjamin we're talking about this earlier you can find trends that kind of support either direction i do think though that we've gotten to a point where the amount of people saying chiefs over niners is out of whack san francisco's been favored in every single game this year it's only happened 10 times since 1980 on average eight points they were favored by this year number one in the league and like 90-plus percent of people are just saying Chiefs because of Mahomes. It just feels like that's a little overdone this week. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. I do think in a lot of ways, like, we've hear, we've heard so much of the noise in some cases very much as this, like, sharps versus squares approach or outset, basically, because we haven't really seen the line drift a whole lot, right? We're still seeing that kind of that minus two San Francisco. So for as many people as... Uh, seem to be, you know, influencing on the Chiefs side and liking the Chiefs side. We really haven't seen the number react to any of that scenario. So I do think in some ways it is very much like a sharp versus square Super Bowl setup 
or maybe there's just so much money coming in on both sides that we haven't really seen, uh, I, I, I would say, a swing that needs to be had on, uh, on any given spread or numbers. But to me, it, it's a weird setup. I do think the Chiefs, you know, given the Mahomes factor, are the public side, and I think that we'll see how that plays out for them on Sunday. What's the best prescription here for the 49ers to, to get this win? Yeah, I to be honest with you, I think, you know, from a yards after catch perspective, I do think the Chiefs are going to play really well. They rank fourth in the yards after catch perspective. Obviously, that's what 49ers have won. To me, I do think they are going to need to be successful on an intermediate to deep shot, probably to Brain and Ayuk, maybe to Juwan Jennings. But I do think without some big play type outcome coming from the passing game, I do think it's going to be difficult for them to actually pull out this victory. So I like maybe like a deep shot to Brandon Ayuk or Juwan Jennings. I do think that's going to be the key to whether the 49ers actually win this matchup or not. Individuals, you could go player or coach. Who benefits most from winning on Sunday? I think it would have to be, I would say, Kyle Shanahan. Kind of like, you know, the, the final breakthrough in a lot of ways. I think reports, you know, have been, he's been really nervous this week because in a lot of ways, like, this roster is going to show some stretching ability to come the offseason. It might be very hard for them, I would say, to get back there. Of course, Kyle Shanahan, you know, has continuously gotten the 49ers back to this pinnacle or this stage. And it hasn't necessarily broken through yet. I think the pressure and most of the outcome would shift towards him if they do actually end up emerging victorious. We would kind of, I would say, silence the rest of the doubters that uh, maybe don't fully buy into the 49ers rest to become playoff time. Who are a couple Chiefs that might have standout games? I mean, obviously the headliners, Mahomes, Pacheco, uh, Travis Kelsey. In other words, who, who's someone else that might contribute in a big way? Yeah, I know he's definitely next on everybody's list. But to me, I, I think this game is going to come down to Rasheed Rice in a lot of ways. You know, his, his match with Domidor Lenore, uh, I think it's a spot that the, the Chiefs absolutely need to exploit. Uh, I do think if he kind of goes over his, you know, receiving yardage and reception prop numbers, uh, I do think the Chiefs end up actually winning this game. If he's kind of limited, you know, obviously it's going to turn into the Travis Kelsey show. I'm not quite sure they're actually going to win that match as much as they want to. He did have, you know, obviously the big game in the AFC Championship game, but before that, Definitely, I would say, you know, it has kind of not been the same Travis Kelsey. And if that sort of performance starts to percolate, it's really going to need to be Rasheed Rice or Bruss. So uh, I do lean in that direction quite a bit. Um, I, I think as well, you know, it, it does seem, you know, I, I kind of mentioned it before, but I do think the 49ers are going to need to hit a deep shot. I do think in some ways, you know, the 49ers defensively are going to press the line that should open up something for Marquez Valdez, Scantling, or Justin Watson. But I think we see a really distributed passing attack from the Kansas City Chiefs, and I think that's what's, you know, going to carry them forth and the reason why I do like them to win this match here on Sunday. The Chiefs have played to the under 14 out of 20 times this year. Totals 47 and a half. Where's your lean there? Yeah, I, I I don't like the full game under as much as the first half under, but you, you definitely talked about it. I think from like a pace of play perspective, they're the fifth slowest team with a lead. Obviously, they've been good enough to have a lead in a number of games, and they're just kind of you know waiting, I would say, to have the last possession in order to win some of these matchups. So I, I know they have kind of deflated in a lot of ways what was once an explosive offense, but they've become much more methodical. I do think we kind of see that play out at least for the scripted play set, uh, they have been really efficient, you know, on their opening drive, but have, I would say, settled for a lot of field goals. So I do think we see kind of a long, extended first drive from the Chiefs that ends up in a field goal. You know, that, that first half under is going to have, you know, no problem hitting. And I do think that is probably the correct spot to play any sort of game total or, or, or first half total uh, coming up here for the Super Bowl. Ben, I know we're heavily influenced by what we most recently saw. That happens in sports and, and everything else. 
I can't get Brock Purdy running for his life and having, what was it, like 50 yards in that previous game. Most of his other game totals are not that way, but I've got that in my mind, and I feel like that's something that might be intriguing to folks too. Him running for, I think the, the, the spread's 12 and a half yards there. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I mean, it really totally. only takes one or two, right? And I do think that, you know, in the ways in which Steve Spagnuolo is going to kind of dial up some of those blitzes, a lot of people are talking about, you know, the, the bunch sets and formations that the 49ers kind of implore are going to open up things from like a cornerback, you know, blitzing type perspective. To me, you know, the one real way to escape that could be with him breaking the pocket. So I think if we see, a, you know, a heavier rotation of Steve, of Steve Spagnuolo kind of blitzing, I do think that actually opens up a little bit for Brock Purdy's legs. And outside of a deep shot, that could be a, a crucial point for the 49ers to potentially gain some crucial yards on third downs and those sorts of third and long type situations. So I don't mind that angle. I definitely think it's probably, you know, over a bust in that particular area. But I do think we could once again, you know, the narrative being that, you know, playoff time quarterback's going to run more. I very much think that is a useful look uh, into Brock Purdy and his potential production coming up here on Sunday. Benjamin, you're the best. Enjoy the game, buddy. Thank you. Thanks, guys. You too. That is your Beltway Blitz. Of the many unpopular rules in the NFL that we see legislated every weekend, which is most likely to change in the years ahead? We'll ask Dean Blandino next on Grant and Danny here on The Fan. Grant and Danny on the fan. Big game coverage on 106.7 is presented by Solo Stove. Feel the heat of the world's most popular smokeless fire pit. Solostove.com. Out here at Radio Row, Super Bowl 58, Mandalay Bay Convention Center. We're pleased to be joined by Dean Blandino, who will be the officiating expert for Westwood One. For Sunday's call of the Super Bowl, you can hear the entire game, their pregame festivities, all evening long right here on the fan starting at 5 p.m. in D.C. Dean, normally you put makeup on and you're on TV. Now you're on the radio call. This will be different for you, eh? This is, yeah, this is different. I'm, I don't have to, you know, I don't really have to worry about how I look. I just got to worry about how I sound. So it's exciting. I haven't, I haven't done a game on radio yet. And, you know, I've been listening to some of the broadcasts from previous years, studying, and, and just really excited to try, you know, especially the Super Bowl. I mean, what 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 could be a better game to to and to work with Kevin Harlan and, and Kurt Warner? It's it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun. Inevitably, I'm sure most of the conversations you have turn into people shooting the messenger or like complaining to you about certain rules. Sure. And this is the part where I apologize for me airing some of my grievances with you. But before I get to some of the rules that I think we could make better or fix, officiating this year has gotten a ton of heat. And in some big spots, there have obviously been some bad calls. That's inevitable. Do you think the officiating was worse, or are we paying closer attention? I I think it's probably more the latter. I think it is the scrutiny continues to just – it's greater than it's ever been. You think about social media. think about the access that we have. You know, when I first started in the the mid to late 90s, you know, you'd have a call – and you might read about it in the newspaper, you might, but now it's like something happens, it's all over social media, and everybody's critiquing the officials. I do think we are at a little bit of a tipping point with the officiating because 
they've incorporated a lot of technology, but I think some of that te technology has created a, a an environment for the officials where they're less decisive. You know, they're thinking about, okay, if replay comes in, are they going to overturn my call? What are, what are we doing here? And I think I've seen a little bit more of that where the officials aren't making a ruling initially because they're thinking about, okay, replay can come in and correct it. Uh, I just think the scrutiny with everything that goes into these games, you think about sports betting and, and everything that's riding on these games, the officials are – you know they impact games. There's no, there's no question, and there have been missed calls, and there have been some high-profile situations this year, and that's always going to generate that conversation about, well, the officiating isn't isn't as good as it as it should be. But I think it's a combination of all those things. Dean Blandino, all things officiating, not just in the NFL, but runs the officiating and, and so much of um, the dialogue and rules that are put together for the spring league as well, the UFL, which I want to get into in a little bit. Um, why should a five-yard penalty away from the play potentially give you an automatic first down on third and 27? Yeah, it, no, it's a great question. I think you go back, and I've had that, and I try to study, you know, okay, what, why did when the competition committee put in, right, illegal contact or defensive holding, why did they make that an automatic first down? Why, why isn't that just 10 yards and it's not an automatic first down, whatever it may be? And I think the theory was – and in the in the 70s to the you know late 70s where the defenses were playing very aggressively and and they were really dominating um you had big defensive backs mel blunt those types of guys that were jamming receivers at the line and it really stymied the passing game and the game wasn't the scoring was down the passing yards was were down and it wasn't as popular um as it is today and then they changed the rule the illegal contact rule and they wanted it to be punitive to say okay it's an automatic first down because these these defenses are playing very aggressively in the secondary and we want to see more passing. We want to see the downfield game. And really, you think about it, the downfield, once that rule went in, it was an automatic first down. Passing yards started to, to increase. Scoring started to increase. And the, really, the popularity of the NFL started to, to grow in the 80s. And now, obviously, it's, it's incredible how popular it is. So I think that's – I get it, right? Because – Third and twenty-seven, and you watch the replay, and you're like, "Man, that's like kind of close." It sounds like you think maybe there is a like it's antiquated, and there's a fu a future where we could have a five-yard penalty just be subtracted from you, what's needed. You could, you could, you could. I do always think about. I think just having studied it, you know, you don't want to do anything to incentivize defenses to play aggressively because look, as many fouls that are called there are a lot more that aren't called, right? So, and if I know it's only five and it's not going to be an automatic first down, then I may I may be more aggressive and grab and hold, and now either I get away with it, or you know what, now it's third and 22. It's not that big a deal. The kickoff, we've you know done some things rules-wise where it's kind of become this obsolete play yeah. almost at this point. I'm curious, though, about the balance between what the league says and, and I'm sure wants is health. But also aesthetics. So, like from an officiating standpoint, you got to throw flags when there's flags. But this year, I read this was like a, ga a weeks of games left. I think we had 7.2 penalties per team. Last year was 6.6. .6. It was the highest since 18, I think, something like that. When I'm watching a game, my most enjoyment is when an hour's gone by and I haven't yeah. noticed a penalty. Yeah. Like, what is the balance there? Of, I don't think this happens, but I wish it would. Like before the Super Bowl, whoever the crew is, we just say. Hey, guys, let's just not throw a lot of flags. You see what I'm saying? Like, sure, sure. And isn't that better television? It, it's better television, and, and but I don't know if it's better for the game overall. You never – and there's always this – well, just let them play, 
Well, ultimately, if you let them play, then teams pick up on that. And again, they're going to play. You're going to have. You're going to. The offensive line is going to continue to hold, and then the defensive line gets frustrated, and that can lead to other things. Stuff in the in the defensive secondary, like we talked about with the passing game. I think we always told the officials you have to make the calls, call the fouls that need to be called, not the ones that could be called, right? Not the you don't want you don't want to be technical, you don't want to be in the margins because you need especially when it comes to health and safety, you've got to make that call. If a defenseless player gets hit in the head neck area, you've got to make that call because that's the one that is going to now decentivize that that player to do that again. So it is but it's a balance because I agree with you. You, it's a great watch when you have a game with no flags. But then my experience when I was in charge of officiating, those were the games where you, we would get questions from the clubs, and there'd be 20 questions from each club. Hey, hey 18 plays this right was now. a foul, this was a foul, this was a foul. And so, but it is a balance. It, it really is. You, you want to get the calls that you need to get and then, and then keep the game moving and, and, a, and a good flow. Dean Blandino was in charge of officiating. Now he's like the biggest star <laughs> yeah. uh, in sports media. Sure. He's joining us here sure. at Radio Row. He's on the call with Harlan uh, on Westwood One Sunday night, Super Bowl 58. You can hear the broadcast right here on 106.7, the fan all over the DMV. Um, my least favorite play in the world. I'm sure you've been asked about this a billion times. The fumble into the end yeah, zone for the yeah, touchback. Yeah. It's so punitive. I hate that for 99 and a half yards you need to possess the football to get possession. Now, I can meet someone in the middle on this. This is like a passion project where they'll say, you need to penalize the offense. Sure. Move them back to the 10. I don't care if you move them back to the 20. I don't care if you put them on their own goal line. <laughs> to give the team the ball that didn't possess the football drives me out of my mind. Yeah. Is there any path to getting that fixed? Does it need to be fixed? I, yeah. I mean, look, I get it, and, and I understand that that part of the debate. Uh, personally, I like the rule as it is because I think it's consistent with when a, when a ball is dead in the opponent's end zone, right, whether that's a kick, right, a kickoff, a punt, a fumble, whatever it is, it's it's a touchback. If it's in the possession of the, the offensive team, it's a touchdown. I think the end zone is different. I think that when you talk about a game that is predicated on gaining ground, the closer you get to the goal line, ball security becomes more important. But I, I totally get it when a player is trying to reach for the end zone and he just happens to lose control for a split second and it just touches the pylon and now it's going over to the defense. And I think there is a world where maybe it isn't you get the ball back at the spot of the fumble, but maybe, like you said, maybe it's like a reverse touchback where the offense keeps it, but they go back to their own 20. You know, you don't, it's the down counts. So if it was third and goal, it's going to be fourth and goal, but you're back at the 20. I think they're going to talk about it. I know the competition committee is on the agenda. I, I don't know if they'll have, because remember, to pass a rule like that, you got to have 24 yes votes. And I don't know if they have 24 at this point. All right, I know you don't have a lot of time. I got three quick ones I want to hit with you real quick. The first, I talked to Troy Vincent yesterday. Yeah. He, tell, he told me he wants to get rid of the hip drop tackle. Yeah. I just don't know how that gets officiated cleanly. He talked about pulling, rat, you know, twisting. Like, that sounds cool in this convention center. Yeah. This game is so fast. We're already talking about the officials having a hard job. I think one of the reasons is we keep making their job harder. No, no doubt. And anytime you look at that rule, and I get it, health and safety, when you talk about rules changes, that's number one. But you really have to say, can this play be officiated consistently? And I do have some concerns, and, and because it's different. It has, it has a horse collar feel, the end of the play, but what the horse collar has is a very objective element of you grab the collar. This, it's like, okay, I'm trying to make a tackle. Yes. And if I don't, 
drop my weight, this, the, you know, Derrick Henry's going to drag me 20 yards down it's field. on tight end. Exactly. Or, so, so how do you, they, if they're going to pass that rule, they have to clearly define what it is, use video examples, and, but it's going to be a challenge for the officials, no doubt. Spotting the football. 2024, the year of our Lord. We got some tech. A, do you think there is a near future where as ubiquitous as that yellow line on my TV that we're, we're chipped, we're finding things out yeah. with tech, or are we just going to kind of use these sticks until uh, we're not doing this anymore? I, I don't, I don't know if the chain, if the chains will be forever. Okay. I think they'll be in at at one point. You know, I don't know how many years from now there'll be a set of chains in Canton at the Hall of Fame, and the <laughs> kids will go, "What was that, Dad?" You know, at some point, I don't know if that's five years from now, whatever it is. But I think they are testing the technology, the chip, and the football. I think the challenge, though. Unlike soccer, it's not just the ball crossing the line. It's, okay, when was the knee down? When, yeah. you know, those types of things. But I think they're working on that. And I can see a world where we don't have the chain crew and we don't have all that happening. Last one. First of all, you did an awesome job. I'm not pumping your tires. I, I really want you to know, I think some of the rules, XFL, were awesome. Oh, thank you. Kickoff is better. Fourth and 15 is badass. Like, there's some really – I know they're now changing the kickoff again, yeah. which annoys me, but some of the stuff is really, yeah. really good. And I'm sure injury data and all that plays into it, not just me being fat at home and enjoying <laughs> it, right? But having said all that, the best thing about the, the spring league officiating operation is being able to watch you and the officials. Yeah. Does the NFL have any interest in peeling that curtain back? I think they do. I think they're still trying to figure it out because the benefit we had, look, in the XFL, we had one game going on at a time. You know, that's it's a lot easier. Um, with the NFL, you might have – you could have eight or nine games in an early window, so it's more of a challenge. I think they understand because, like you said, you may not always agree with what I did, but at least you understood the thought process. It's a game changer. For people that don't know what I'm talking about, yeah. you, we were watching your interactions yeah. and conversation with the official, and so we're not guessing as to what you're seeing yeah. and what you're saying. Yeah, and I think, that's, I think the NFL understands that. They're, they're trying to figure it out. We're going to continue to do it with the UFL. We think that's great for our fans, and it, it's good for officiating because there's no – it's it, like there's no – again, you might not always agree – but you're not walking away going, what the heck just happened? You go, okay, I get it. I don't agree, but I get it. Have a great call. Enjoy radio. Yeah. It's better than TV. You get to, you probably can't wear what you want, but you don't need makeup. That's yeah, good. Yeah, I'm excited. Thanks for having me. Dean Blandino, Westwood One. Their coverage of Super Bowl 58 begins on 106.7 The Fan on Sunday night at 5 o'clock. Listen to pregame in the entire game right here. Which free agents to be? are most important for Washington to re-sign. There's a list of commanders pending free agents that dropped. We want to sift through. We'll do that next on Grant and Danny here on The Fan. Live from Radio Row in Las Vegas at the Mandalay Bay Convention Center, Grant and Danny. The show is on the road. And the big game coverage we've got for you today and all week long has been presented by Solo Stove. Feel the heat of the world's most popular smokeless fire pit, solostove.com. We just saw a familiar face wandering around here, Mark Schlereth, that we've been having on the show all season long, joining us in person. A lot better to do it this way than on the phone, Stink. Good to see you. We appreciate the time. I was just talking about Solo Stove. You strike me as a fire pit guy. Uh, yeah, I mean, I like fire pits, yeah. You got one at the house? No, I don't. You know, in Denver, you can't, well, 
you you said it's smokeless, right? Yeah, the solo stove's fire. That, mm-hmm. That's really cool. Yeah, smokeless. It's like in what looks like a metal bucket. I don't basically. know how they yeah, do it, yeah. man. It's amazing. It's good yeah. tech. But no, but in Denver, they're really because the pollution in Denver is pretty. It gets sucked in because of the mountains. Yeah. So you, there's a, a law against open burning and things of that oh, that's nature. Tough. So you, we don't really do a lot of fire pit stuff. Big fire pit guy in the DMV. Uh, but Super Bowl champion, obviously a legend in D.C., three times over Mark Schlereth. Do you ever, like at events like this, wear rings? or, or No. They're just, where do they stay? Where they're just at the house? You never uh, break yeah, them the, out? No. Not unless somebody pays me to bring them out. <laughs> uh, the, only, the only time I ever put them on is if somebody's paying me to put them on and go to an event. Yeah. Like a speaking event, and they want me to bring a ring, and they're paying me, you know, a, uh, a hefty fee. Then I'll then I'll then I'll break them out. Is the theory just you don't like wearing them, or like what, what's the? Oh, they're just big and they're bulky and they and they incite people to ask you questions. <laughs> I don't want a bunch of people asking me. It questions. is a prompt, I got, yeah. I got yeah, I got crap. I got crap to do. So if I do wear them out, I actually flip them upside down so the the ring part is inside your hand so that people don't see it, and then you can go about your business. But you, you know, I mean, you flash one of those babies. That's just you know, people want to know what they are. That they, they want to see them. Then they want to take a picture with them. Next thing you know, you you know you got a thirty-seven best friends that you've never met. So you know, I just yeah, I would rather I would rather handle my business. Mark, couple keys for San Francisco to win this game in your mind. One, you got to be who you are. You got to you've got to you've got to embrace your identity and you've got to live in your identity. And I think the last two weeks. They've gotten away from that. They are not a great drop-back team. It's not what they do well. So for them, they've got to embrace their running game, get into their running game, which leads to their play-action passing game. They are so good at not only running the ball, but having an adjunct play-action pass that marries to to that run game perfectly. That's what they do well. And that's what they have to lean into. And so I think that's, to me, one of the biggest keys for them. And then defensively, they've got to get production from their defensive line. They've been getting their ass kicked the last two weeks. They, they have not been good. Um, you know, Eric Armstead came back after being injured. He hasn't been an impact player. He usually is. I thought Chase Young has been getting drilled the last couple of weeks. He's been getting pushed around. Um, they've, they've got to have a better rotation on the inside. They've got to stop the run. Um, they haven't done that. You know, I, w- I was telling a couple of people this. If, if I'm Kyle Shanahan and I win the coin toss to open up, I'm not deferring. I'm taking the ball. Mm. Because their defense is going to get put. Like, think about as a play caller, you know, Green Bay, for instance, you had one possession in the first quarter. So all of a sudden you're down. You start to feel that that necessity of let me get away from what we do. Let me get back into this game. Let me get unbalanced in calling passes. That's not how they win. That's not what they're good at. Now, they've won two games doing that, but to what I think is inferior opponents. Um, And they've been able to do it, but they're not going to beat Kansas City if they don't stay true to who they are, stay true to their identity. And that's run the ball and use your play action to create explosive plays out of the run game. Super Bowls 26, 32, 33 for Mark Schlereth, of course. Super Bowl 26 with the then Redskins. And people always, when his name is uh, part of the, the show banner, ears perk up because of what he accomplished on that offensive line. I, I, I don't, I mean, I think of you more even still as more of a Bronco than a Redskin, but what you did there was so important. I'm curious, though, 
does the has the name Commanders grown on you at all? No. Do you like? I mean, do you like the name at all? No, or? no, no. <laughs> I don't. That's correct. Listen, when he you, said no when three I, times. When I call when I call a Washington game, I don't. I call him Washington. Okay. Do you? I didn't even notice that. So you won't say Commanders. I just I just try to well I stay Washington mostly not it doesn't have so much to do with the commanders it has to do with my propensity to slip in a red skin. Correct. You know, and then you have to hear We should have brought a dollar jar this week, you know. Yeah. Every, then, then you have it to happens. you have to hear about it, you know, and people are like, hey, you're you know, and oh my gosh, get, get off me. <laughs> so, yeah, so it's it's more about that than it is anything else. Right. Yeah. We've we've kind of First of all, I think they're going to change the name again. That's the the pulse in town. Yeah. The new owner, Josh Harris, also doesn't say Redskins, which just seems interesting. Like at the press conference introducing Peters or Dan Quinn, he says Washington football. Yeah. It just So they have not at any point said they're keeping the name, and the, the momentum seems to be they change it again. A lot of us want right. hogs, red hogs, yeah. something like that. But I don't, here's what I don't understand. Like, I don't understand how. Like Cleveland, the Indians had to change their name, you know, to the the Guardians. How the Redskins had to change their name twice, but the Braves get to keep theirs and the Chiefs get to keep theirs. Why, like, can we get some false outrage over that or take it like like everything else in America? At what point do we get the, you know, uh, we demand a change? Uh, Like, I don't understand it. I mean, even they do the tomahawk, oh, you know, the to- like. Why do they get to do it? Like, I don't. I don't. That has been brought up on this show. Yeah, that, that's yeah. the one to me, Mark. That I, I will never understand that. That why, how that's okay somehow. I, I know there's some people that don't like it, but that seems to be grandfathered in somehow. But other things are are, are way worse. That to me is the worst thing that anybody does on that scale. And you could talk me into Redskins being worse than Brit Chiefs, but. If someone, and I don't think they do headdresses mostly, but if someone's doing the chop or whatever or the chant, yeah. that feels like maybe. I don't. I don't know. The whole thing just seems like. I mean, I don't. Everything just seems like we have to be outraged about something. You know, like I, I guess that's the way we operate here in America. We've got to be outraged and cancel things. So whatever. Um, it is what it is. Uh, I yeah. I'd love to see them be the hogs or so something. I mean, I love. I'd love to see anything that they change it to that's not affiliated with Dan Schneider and moves us away from him. I think it's a good thing. That's what we're all kind of rooting for. Here, here. Uh, prediction on the game. Well, listen, man, I'm a, I mean, I've known Kyle Shanahan since he was 12. He used to work out with our team, you know. I mean, he would be running routes as a high school kid, as a college kid. I didn't think about that. That's, yeah. You've known Kyle since he was a little boy. Yeah, and then I've known Christian since he was probably two. Um, so like, like I, I, I'm taking the, I'm taking the Niners. I'm going, um, 27, 26. Um, and I would not bet a penny. Uh, I would not bet any amount of money that mattered to me on this game. Cause like, you know, I, as a Bronco, I hate the chiefs, but it's hard for me to hate Mahomes cause he's so good. And, uh, I, I don't feel good about betting against Mahomes, but screw it. That's, that's the direction I'm going. Mark. Staying loyal to the, I'm staying loyal to my guys, the Shanahan's. There you go, Mark Schlereth on uh, Grant and Danny, of course, played with Mike for two Super Bowls uh, in Denver. Tell me about Stunt Sports. Uh, social media app. It's an awesome place to, uh, you know, without all the political garbage and all the nonsense of uh, other social media, 
Um, and you can do everything on this. You, man, you can find a way. You know, you get this all the time. I, I get this all the time. You suck at, you know, talking sports. You suck at calling games. I've heard and, that before yeah, about and, me. Yeah. You know, and I get that all, I get that all the time. And my, you know, my, uh, response to that is you, you think you're better? Come get a taste. You can create it. You can monetize. <laughs> like you can monetize your own, you can monetize your own, uh, your own, you know, content over here on the stunt app. You can talk smack. You can do that audio video like if you think it's like an it's like a only fans page you don't have to show your yahoo so like you, you go get go get some see if you can create some content that you can get paid for if you're so good i am awesome and not showing my yahoo mark you're the best yeah. but i always appreciate it hey, yeah you guys are the best take care all right see Thanks, you buddy. buddy good catching up there's mark schlereth on grant and danny <laughs> i didn't see that last part coming well we'll swerve there he'll keep you on your toes every time uh, kevin harlan at 525 he is on the call of the super bowl for westwood one on g and d we got another draft coming up it is our super bowl food draft four rounds this one's juicy this is an annual tradition you can only eat what's on your plate next on grant and danny this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 